Here at Vinyl Community Podcasts, we strongly encourage you to use protection for your pleasure. Talking about sleeving your records, inner sleeves, outer sleeves, your listening pleasure, get your mind out of the gutter. Now, stay tuned to Vinyl Community Podcasts. Well, we're back with another episode of Surface Noise, our bi-weekly podcast here on Vinyl Community Podcasts, talking about record collecting with record collectors and trying not to mess things up. So, I'm Concert Buddy. You've seen my ugly face plenty of times on this presentation. If you're watching, if you're listening, you've heard me many a times, hopefully on the Vinyl Community Podcasts feed, but I'm joined this evening by usual cast of characters, Jason Rojas. How you doing, sir? I'm all right. I got it. We'll talk about that later. I got the it. Rhino reissues. We'll get into that. Yeah, we got Arnaldo. Hopefully, feeling better. Yep, feeling much better. Thanks. Wonderful, Hi guys. We got Jose Moreno. Now, Jose, is it Jose Moreno Ron or just Jose Moreno? I got because you, you've tried both of them on me. Well, no, because in Latin America, you have two first, uh, first, middle, and two last names. Oh, uh, okay. So that's when you present yourself over here, you say all your names. I always find it weird when people in the U.S. only have one name and one last name, but um, you, you can call me Jose. That's that's fine. <laughs> just and then, uh, whichever one you remember. Oh, I remember them all, Jose. <laughs> and then rounding out our dais is David over at Safe and Sound Texas Audio Excursion. How are you feeling, David? Hey, I'm getting better. Thanks. Perfect. So let's kind of kick it off. We have a wide array of questions that we've been cooking up in the Vinyl Community Podcast Studios. And the first one I want to kick it off with, guys, is as record collectors, what's the best piece of advice that you can sink your teeth into that you've gotten from somebody else and you've applied to your own collecting prowess? So, Arnaldo, let's start with you. So, we're starting with me. Okay. So, <laughs> or the policeman in the background, one of the two. That's not me. That's not, yeah. I'm in New York and there's always sirens going on. That is not New York. That's me. Okay. Wow. Minneapolis. Ooh. I know. It's going to be the one would think it's going to be either in Mexico or in New York, but it's not. Apparently. All right. So, Arnaldo, let's tee that one back up. So, best piece of advice, collecting advice you've heard? I would have to say do your research. Whether it be Discogs, which kind of seems like the Bible mm-hmm. nowadays, um, or eBay. Um, or even vinyl community. Uh, Jason knows very well that whenever I'm at a record fair, <laughs> he's my uh, go-to. Make up uh, early because Arnaldo will have you on speed dial. Okay. I'm like, okay, <laughs> texting him, asking his advice on, you know, just bouncing off prices and, you know, versions that I find in the wild, you know, sometimes when, um, you know, I'm at, I'm, when I'm stumped, and I'm a little overwhelmed by what's around me. I kind of like panic and like, do I leave it behind? Do I just like wait for the next one? So there's times that, you know, um, uh, a lifeline is required. So either do your research, I would say Discogs, uh, eBay, or a buddy, you know, a buddy that you know that you trust. And how long would you say it took you to really take that to heart? Because 10 years ago, a lot of these resources weren't. I mean, eBay was probably around. Discogs was around, but it wasn't as, I guess, applicable. I'm holding a phone, right? It wasn't at your fingertips. Is this is this something that's probably in the last, call it last 10 years, it's something that's really proved of value for you? 
I would say probably in the last three or four, maybe four. five years. Yeah. Okay. Um, otherwise, I would just use my best judgment. And I had budgets and standards that I would not, not go above. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would just use my best judgment and and try not to overspend for something that I've seen very often. And right now, I think the prices of some used vinyl is getting ridiculous. So oh, I think even more now more than ever, people have to find a resource that they trust, whether it be uh, a senior uh, record collecting buddy, uh, the internet, discogs, you know, forums. So, so Jason, we'll go, we'll kick it to you. Cause I have a feeling, well, I don't want to be presumptuous, but you've often espoused the virtues of, not jumping and not falling for those crazy prices. Is that kind of along the lines of the best advice somebody gave you or are you going a different direction there? You're muted. Hello. (laughs) How about now? Yes, sir. sir. Which one are you saying gotten or given? Uh, Let's start with someone gave to you that, that really was a a difference maker. Oh, gave to me Uh, more like just uh, be uh, open to listen to music, don't pigeonhole yourself. Like, so I'm not really into, you know, I wasn't into jazz when I collected and then basically um, had some, uh, just, you know, uh, wasn't being a dork. I talked to the record owners, like I introduced myself and, you know, and I was like, hey, do you know about this? And just be friendly, you know, you can't, don't be pigheaded, you know, gotta be open, you know. Um, and so they helped me like get into a lot of jazz and stuff like that. And that's how I was able to, you know, get into worthless things like this, you know, reissues. <laughs> we'll touch on that. We'll touch on that. Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't take the advice in other words. Okay. Right, right. I took <laughs> the advice too open, too open. Yes. Too yes. Open, right? <laughs> so David, same Wait, question. Was there, uh, was there somebody in your collection or was it just something that you just kind of picked up through osmosis? Like what was the best piece of, tangible advice that someone however imparted on you would you say you know it's funny because i mean i go back to buying records from 1963 so ironically one of the best pieces of advice i ever got early on was someone who knew records well and you know the hi-fis at the time were not really kind to records they're you know they were heavy and you know heavy tone arms and and a guy someone told me and this has started when the beatles came out Buy more than one, and I did, and I have a bunch of sealed first releases of U.S. pressing still from the Beatles. So ironically, that morphed into a bird in the hand. In other words, a lot of times you'll leave something thinking you can find it somewhere else or you can get it on Discogs. The problem with Discogs or any place is you don't have it in your hand at the time to see it. When you see it in a store, you know, it's there. Right. So the question becomes, would you pay a couple extra bucks? You've already driven there. You've already paid for the gas. So would you not take a bird in the hand? So it's kind of not totally contrary to what you guys are saying, but at the same time, think about it. Are you going to find it? Are you, I mean, as I get older, I'm going, will I be alive? You know, it's like, yeah. so, so you younger guys, you don't have that same pressure on you like I do. Sure. But, but there is that bird in the hand. If you see something that's really good and look for listening stations, record stores that have listening stations, because you can have a record that looks pristine and sounds noisy. Mm. And you can have a record that has scuffs and looks bad and sounds perfect. 
So you got to be you got to be judicious about that. So I would lean toward if you can and you have a store that has a listening station to buy there because you have that opportunity. If they don't have it, check their return policy, of course. No, that's fair. Now, in I'm going to put a pin in that, David, because I'm actually going to, when I come to my answer, we're going to get to Jose next, but my answer is very similar to that. So, Jose, what's the, the best piece of advice someone has given you from a record collecting perspective that you've adopted and put into practice yourself? Um, I think that not letting go thing, it's really, it's really good. In, I, in what way? In what way? Because I think that more often than not, when I was younger and, um, I, I, I bought records. There's a lot of records that I didn't get because I thought, no, nah, maybe later I'll, I'll get it or whatever. I, I do think there's a lot of truth in that. I But the, the biggest advice that someone's ever uh, told me, which is something that I always tell people, is never buy a record because someone else told you to. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because this thing that you collect must be something that you will enjoy. So on rare occasions that you can stream it and you like it, buy it. But like blindly things are great, but if you do them, but at the end of the day, like don't clock yourself thinking, oh, I must buy all the classic rock records that I like and you have to have Dark Side of the Moon and um, uh, Fleetwood Max uh, or whatever. It's like, Buy whatever you like first, and then everything else. It's gonna be way more easier to get. If so, perhaps just take a little moment to, you know, think about what you like and what you want at that time, and you know, don't buy just because somebody told you that you should buy this first and then that first. Well, you raise an interesting point, Jose, because I think, and, and hopefully I'm not speaking alone here, but I think the vinyl community on YouTube has cost me some money in the sense that <laughs> I'll watch, no, yeah. I listen, I'll, I'll watch videos, things I don't know about or things I'm even on the fence about. And if it's somebody who I trust their opinion or, you know, somebody's demonstrated su- some degrees of subject matter expertise, a year, three years, five years ago, I'd be more prone to take a flyer on things in the in the exploration of learning new music, finding new things, right? I mean, I mean but there's there's certain things. Like, if, for example, I like the Grateful Dead. So if somebody recommends me a Grateful Dead pressing, that's a little different. But just for saying, like, uh, I don't know, whatever, oh, this band I think you might like, all right, listen to it first, but don't, like, go ahead and just buy it uh, mm-hmm if you don't feel securely about it. Well, especially with the cost, like we're talking about the cost in the open there. I mean, the rise in price point, I think the exploration for $20, and even that's probably a little too jurisdictional. Yeah, that's where where streaming comes in to help you be able to listen to it ahead of time. For for example, uh, we were talking backstage about uh, Alice Cooper for a little while, and I'll say that I've never really, like, got involved on his catalog. Like, I don't know it as much as other people might. I know that his first two records, this is Sapphire related. But the other records that they're reissuing right now, it's like, they're like $95 right now for those reissues. So maybe I would have to listen to them first and see if I like them instead of just blindly going and buying a $95 record that 
they probably pressed too much and like in two months it's probably gonna be like a 70 dollar record so wait a little you know and um, but that's hard to do now and in, in our uh, you know especially in the covid time remember like the pressing plants were so backed up supply was so limited that patience and i know jason espouses patience a lot with a lot of the conversations we've had right yeah but i think the last it's been hard to do that because for example i'm not trying to bring up a sore subject but mobile fidelity releases would come in and out of pre-mofi gate like yeah. nobody's business right so I, I think that i would love to be patient and i think hopefully this is kind of my opinion the rising price points might actually help slow it down calm those waters right yes. because as you can see again yes. using the mofi example mofi is holding inventory that doesn't sell out right away right like right now this yeah. is an example but yeah um, so so david i'm gonna circle back to what you brought up because that was kind of my best advice i picked up and it actually didn't come from a record collector per se and i think i've said this many times so i apologize for being redundant but I'm a fan or was a fan or have been a fan of that TV show, American Pickers, right? And one of the things that I identified with from a record collecting perspective was I always like to use records that in my mind, somebody just moved off of that I was giving a second life, right? And he has a really great piece of advice that I've really put into practice. And it's been expensive at times, but it's been helpful more than that. And that is, if you've never seen it before, that's probably the time to get it. Now, within that, kind of what Arnaldo was talking about, like I do lean into doing some research, right? It's not just I'm like, oh, I've never seen Megadeth Countdown Extinction MoFi. I've got to buy it. $800, it's mine. It's nothing like that. Yeah. But it is something along the lines of if I've never seen it, it piques my curiosity to then start using the toolkit of what does this really go for? Is this a good price? Is this readily available? All those sorts of things. What do you guys think about that? Like, Do you guys apply that into your – if you're out at a record fair, yep. if you're in a store and you've never seen it, does yep. that open that yeah. gate to Peaks my never get it or else I'll never see it again? I, I also buy when not, – not even if I like the band. I sometimes buy and I have friends that I know that like it. And, if, you know, that I, I, I live outside the U.S. So sometimes when I – for example, I don't know. Like I'm not a Van Halen fan. But if I see a Van Halen record that I know it's not going to be – a normal one to find i buy it and still like i listen to it and if i did if i enjoy it or whatever i keep it if not i'll ask friends if they want it or whatever but i i try to do that as much as possible so john bandy's got a good one here's his best piece of advice as far as discogs ask lots of questions and the right questions. Photos. details Photos. details details it's very topical and the reason i bring it up is i think i have it here I do. Oh, I'm so ill-prepared, boys. Well, you don't have all the records. All right, so I'm going to do a little show-and-tell real quick on John's question here. So, Ryan Adams Gold. Not a very hard record to find, but an original first pressing, not easy to find, at least for me, right? So I literally just bought this on Discogs last week. Mm. Trusted the the seller. He He had, I think he had hundreds of transactions. Got it here. What do you know? Not a first pressing. How did I know? Because I did my research and I knew that on the first pressing, the barcode is is vertical, not horizontal. And then I knew it came out in 2002. And then if you look at the labels on the on the record, it said 2003, right? So to John's point, <laughs> you have to ask a lot of questions. And that wasn't an expensive record. It was like a $30 record. 
but it's something that I've been looking for for a while. And I've seen that reissue in my local store, share, you know, all, all, all over. Really frustrating. So John, that's a great, that's a great observation for sure. As, as if it's more than $50 in discogs, I would suggest asking for photos. It's, I mean, less than 50 bucks. I don't think it's worth it, but anything above $50, I would say like, Ask for a photo. If if they don't reply, well, you know, but but ask ask for them, but be serious about it. Don't be like, I, I want to see photos of everything. You know, I think well, that. Well, Jose, I was, well, Jose, I was going to say. So to kind of what you were talking about earlier, Louis got this one. How often do you blind buy in contrast oh, to your own advice? A lot, a lot, a lot. I do a <laughs> <Yeah>. lot. <laughs> But, but I do it. I do it in a weird way. Like, for example, not 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 to keep showing records. But, uh, for example, I, I was I was uh, telling you backstage again about these uh, Dweezil Sapa record. Okay. Because I've never listened to a Dweezil Sapa record, and I I know Frank Sapa's son, so I blind bought it because I was like, worst case scenario, how bad could it be? And it's pretty bad. It's pretty average. I wouldn't say that he's playing as bad or anything. It's just nothing memorable. It sounds like a band from like Oklahoma doing like covers of metal songs. But it it's and the photos are horrible. It looks like oh. he's so cute. Look at that again. I mean, that, that is that a, a anti drug PSA from the eighties? Yeah, look at that. It's terrible. It looks it looks uh, it looks horrible. But so I do blind uh, by it, but. Um, but have you ever bought a record just because of the cover? I know oh, I have. Of course I have. Of course I have. Really? Can you oh, show that again? It's an, OG, it's an OG, too, back when I was in high school. So. And it, sometimes it's good, right? I, I, I remember seeing this with all the... So that's, that's is that sleep? Is that what that is, Jose? Yeah, yeah. I just saw it like this, and I was like, oh, I wonder, what is that? Yeah. I bought based on covers before. Oh, sure. Not just that one. <laughs> So conversely, so that's the best piece of advice you feel you've taken in. You got to pay it forward, right, fellas? What What's the best piece of advice? It could be exactly that, the same one that somebody gave you. What's the best piece of advice you feel you've shared with someone else to help them along their journey? We'll, we'll go, Jason. We'll go in order this time. Jason, what would you say? Here's my advice. Make friends so you don't have to buy all these silly, expensive records. Let somebody else do that for you. Like, <laughs> do that for you. Like, so to raise up the game on David here, like, you know, blind buy on this purchase here, you know. So what, do you, so what do you have there? Tell us about it. So this is Curtis Counts. Maybe John Bandy knows about this jazz record. You know, this is the OG contemporary. Is that from the horny fifties? What is it? Yes, from the horny fifties. Thank you. <laughs> horny fifties. <laughs> this oh is why there's. This is why I have it marked explicit on the podcast. I'm just saying. So just go ahead. <laughs> well, I was referring to the instrument, but all right. <laughs> I mean, this is better than the Dweezil Zappa. I give you. That. Oh, of course it must Whoa. be. Whoa, <laughs> what isn't? Yeah, what is it? Yeah, that's a good question. Um. So that's my advice. Like to me, if you're ever in Minnesota or whatever and i guess moving back to north austin texas just let's hook up let's listen to these records there's no need for you to buy it this fool probably already bought it you know yes <laughs> but that's a, that, that's that's real like i have friends that like jimmy hendrix uhqrs i don't own them but a friends of mine own them and go to this house i listen to them and then 120 dollars more in my wallet you know what i mean <laughs> So, Arnaldo, what's the best piece of advice you've 
intentionally shared with someone else relating to record collecting? Uh, I think I actually shared it on this stream. I'll repeat it again. Just be patient. Mm. Uh, don't give in unless it's something extremely rare that you have never seen before. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and that the chances of ever seeing it again, like a turquoise Led Zeppelin in that oh, case. No, no, don't even, no, don't feed, don't feed him. Don't feed him. He's got, <laughs> he has them like right unless here. Unless it's something like that. Just be patient because you, if you go to record stores regularly, Hey, Melinda, Hey, um, Melinda's birthday, by the way, fella. So, wish oh, her happy birthday, birthday. Melinda. So, unless you, okay, so it depends. I mean, if you're on a trip in a country where typically that artist was very popular and you see great deals on certain records, um, obviously, and things that you don't come across in your own country, then I would say yes, buy it. But if you go regularly to shows, if you go regularly to, um, record stores i'm sure you will come across the same and it's happened to me where i've come across records uh sometimes cheaper sometimes more expensive than when i had purchased them originally so oh, so david same question what's cause surely because because again I, I would like to think and i know you well enough to think that you're very free with your advice and especially as the elder statesman of the day is by your own admission yeah you probably espouse more advice than you take it in this journey what what's something that comes to mind in terms of sharing with with collectors could be a new collector any collector really protect thy records i have so i have records that where the spine is worn because i've played them enough and pulled them out of shelves and i didn't have protector sleeves so the albums you know vg plus plus and the covers like a vg minus you know so um so, you know, protect your records, rice paper on your sleeves for the actual vinyl. Just, you know, if you want to, you, you can decide on your own whether you want to put the record on the outside of the outer sleeve, you know, or in the in where it's supposed to be. I know on some of the on some of the gatefolds, if you put the record between the gatefold, it'll cause it then to not get smashed in the corner in the upper spine because sometimes it does that in the shelf. But if that record's there, it keeps those gatefolds spread apart a little bit. So just, you know, I look at some of these records and I go, you know, the record is fabulous. But if you looked at the cover, you'd go, you know, some ring wear or whatever. Don't stuff your shelves too tight is the other thing. Which so Patrick, I, I, good one. Yeah, you yeah. should see mine. You should see mine. Clean your like, record, sure, yeah. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick, this is a PSA for probably all collectors. Clean your records. Even Jose. new ones. Even brand new even ones. Even new ones, yes. Especially but, brand new ones. Especially yeah. lately. So, Jose, what, what would you share with uh, uh, any, any collector that runs into your orbit in terms of a best practice or a best piece of advice? Um. I, I think uh, the same thing that I said before, it's just like collecting records to make it fun for you. You should always open up your scope of what you're listening to. Like uh, try it. There are certain ways I, I barely like, I was very young uh, when I discovered Discogs and I used to love like pinpointing like uh, maps of like how an artist went from here to here and listening to all of this. Sure. I, I guess exploring would be my, my advice. It's like keep exploring because if not, this hobby can go boring extremely fast if you don't do that. 
it I think that uh, this hobby lets itself to make discoveries and I think that uh, it's something that everybody should try to to do basically it's just like I don't know if you let your curiosity take over go down the deep dives the rabbit holes yeah yeah like uh, sources of information to better understand your your foundation of an artist genre etc yep because even if it's just looking at who produced it right uh, you can find a lot of artists and a little bit common things. For example, everybody knows here that I'm not a big uh, fan of certain somebody that produced this band that I'm wearing my shirt off. But it, but Rick Rubin, the- <laughs> Rick Rubin, <coughs> yeah, but it's a great example. Oh yeah. For example, if you oh, if God. you listen to the Cash uh, America sessions, and then you're like, oh, what else has he done? And you're like, oh, the Tom Petty record, which is uh, probably his best in my opinion. It's uh, you can. There's a lot of different genres that you can try out, even metal, right, or hip hop. So I would, I would, I would guess that um, my advice would be just you know explore more. So it's never, it doesn't get boring, you know. I'm with you. So so Brandon, my good buddy, Mr. Hall of Fame, one of the OGs of the vinyl community, is here. And his actually, my, the, the thing I was going to share is actually a piece he gave me, but let's go ahead and read his comment here. He says, make it your collection, all caps, your collection. It's easy to get locked into trying to recreate someone else's collection yeah. without realizing you are doing it. Very true. But Brandon gave me an even better piece of advice in terms of, and Jose, I'm kind of piggybacking off what you said, in terms of exploration, Right. If you get something that you like it, even if you're lukewarm and it's on a recommendation, Brandon has a sage advice. It's still it's money on the shelf. And what he means by that is a couple of things. One, if you don't like it, you can probably get off of it. Doesn't mean it's going to be profit on the shelf. Very clear. Right. Like doesn't mean if you buy a record, you're instantly going to get a great return. But if it's something that doesn't fit you for whatever reason, either you didn't really connect with it. Uh, you want to go in a different direction with your collection. You're thinning it down, et cetera. You can always get off of it. And I always remember that in terms of exploration, right? Because there are sometimes I've done the blind buys. There are sometimes I've watched vinyl community videos and said, oh, such and such said I should get that. I'm getting it. And I got it. And it was a big stinker. I'm just going to be honest, right? Yeah. But at the end of the day, if I was really motivated, I can get off of it. So that is kind of the, the burden and the curse of the hobby, I'll say, is but, that but again, if I don't like it, somebody else probably will. That could be corrected by streaming in it. For sure, for sure. But it's something that we normally don't do. Like I personally, for example, like if a band that I like is going to release a record, I try not to listen to a lot of singles. Um, There are bands that I buy the records even if the singles are horrible. Like King Gizzard, they don't have bad singles, but it's something that I'm going to buy anyways. But like I, I never recommend King Gizzard to people, even if I am a huge King Gizzard fan. Sure. Sure. Because they have so much stuff that unless somebody is already have an idea of, of what they play, you know. But keeping you know an open mind to what you can like, it's probably. And if you don't like it again, you can sell it, trade it. Trading it's pretty fun, you know. And the people don't don't tell you that, but the trading it's pretty fun. Well, Patrick's got another good tip, and Patrick knows this stuff, so I really lean in on what he's saying here. He said another tip. Check for spindleware. A record can have storage marks, but no spindleware. And that's true. I mean, that's something I got to be honest, I'm not very keen on. I'm usually looking, 
I'll look a record quickly. Okay, does it look pretty clean on the wax? Perfect. Sometimes I'll look and see if there's any kind of visible warping. But mainly I'm looking at the, does anybody write on the labels? Because I hate, I mean, that's just me. Oh. I hate the writing on the labels, right? Writing on anything. Why did people, David, you live during this time. Why did people write their name on jazz? Because jazz? people would take them to parties and they would share them. And then, you know, you, oh, this isn't reason. my record. Well, it is now, but back then it made perfectly good sense. I, I thought it was a swing in the 60s that they were sharing partners and records. They were sharing everything and anything. I'm guilty. <laughs> when I was 10, I was writing on the label. Arnaldo. What I was afraid doing? that someone was going to take my records. But <laughs> unlike partners, they wanted it back. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I I don't mind it. I mean, uh, I've bought records from uh, VC people that write their names on stuff. I, if it's something like that, I don't mind it. Uh, but uh, when it's like a psych record that I really didn't want Stacy writing her name on or whatever, that's pretty funny. Yeah. So the next one, guys, I thought. Can I just chime in on what Patrick said? Please, please go ahead. So uh, the spindleware, it yeah. all depends on who is the owner of the record. You look at all of my records from like 30 years ago, you will not see any spindleware because I know how, how to get the, you know, bullseye, you know, it's not, I'm not searching for the spindle. So, you know, <laughs> I could really go in some really inappropriate places. Know, with this, not, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, that's one thing about radio station copies. When we were in radio, we'd grab the record, throw it and try to find it to hit the spindle while we were doing something else. So a lot of times those have pretty excessive spindle wear because you're literally trying to find a hole in the in the uh, turntable while you're doing something else. For sure, yeah. that makes sense. So Melinda's got a good little point before we move to the next one. She said, I know someone that racked up so much credit card debt from buying that they couldn't enjoy the records. Don't overspend. Very true. I think that's, that's not what, just record that, collecting. I think it's see, a buy that's what her family is telling her about the birthday gifts right now. So just understand. A good suggestion with all the audiophile world that we live in right now, mm -hmm. I would say that for, there are certain bands that if you're not that much into, I would not suggest getting audiophile versions of records you don't particularly know about. That That's just my suggestion. Yeah. But like, for example, I'm a huge Bob Dylan fan, and I do think the MoFi versions sound better than any other. Because I own, like, four copies of CD, 8-tracks, reel-to-reel, -reel, you name it. I, I own a lot of Bob Dylan stuff. So I know what I, I'm getting into when I bought mm -hmm. MoFi, but... For a lot of records, if it's not really your cup of tea or oh, yeah. you just think that you need that one step of uh, Cali uh, Hotel California that's coming up, if you really don't like it, like, don't Why buy bother? it. Yeah. yeah, don't don't bother. You, you can get a copy for $30 or less, I'm assuming, and, um, you know, spend it on something else. Go and get a beer or something. I don't know. <laughs> so relative to our advice party, because this is an advice party, let's just be honest. Um, next question I was thinking is, you know, giving advice to another collector, but like a new collector. Let's let's go one layer deeper. A brand, not even brand new, just somebody who's new to the hobby. Like what's something that you would offer as sage advice of like you either learn the hard way or maybe it's something new that's really an adaptive practice or something you've put into your tool belt that you think that they should jump on right away. Jason, what do you got? 
I think I've, I think you've said this about me. Patience is the key. Don't go rush. I, I never rush to judgment as Arnaldo. He'll text me, should I get this? And I'm, I'm always like, you know, if it's one digit, okay. Two digits, two, two digit price. Like, Oh, all right. Three digit price. You better think about, you know, that's a steak dinner. Maybe, you know, a couple of tacos, maybe nice pair of shoes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like again, you know, like you're going to spend this three digits on this record. You know, it better be the, it better be a record that you're going to love, you know, and enjoy, you know. Arnaldo, what do you think? If, if, if a new collector came in your orbit, however, is there something that you'd just be very passionate to say like, Hey, this X helped me or like, you should really think about why. Um, like several other, other people have already mentioned it and listen to it, whether you can stream it beforehand or a listening station at the store, yeah. listen to it. No, that was good advice for sure. Yeah. Um, and then if you're buying from Discogs, pictures, pictures, description, and more pictures. Well, um, well to me, like if, they, if, if you're exchanging with a seller on Discogs and they don't send you the pictures, do not buy. Like despite the temptation, because if they can't even meet you, like if they can't even close a deal and say, hey, I have like some pictures of the spine of the, you know, the dead wax, whatever. And they can't even send you the pictures. I think that's to me, that's bad business. And I don't. Yeah. I just I, I stop I stop. It oh, and one more thing: since we're on the Discogs topic, sure. um, look at the feedback of who you're buying from. Took mine. <laughs> look how long. Look how long they've been a member and how many Discogs yeah, and how many they've sold. Yeah. I almost fell into a trap of someone that was selling. Forgot what it was at a price that was but, way too good to be true. I looked at their history. They had just joined uh, maybe a week ago had no prior sales and all of, and I looked at their entire inventory. They were all very sought after records, which were at a very, very inexpensive price. So that was a, that was a red flag immediately. I was like, okay, this is a fake. I, I want to circle back to that once on, on the freestyle portion, right. because Discogs this week, I don't know if you guys saw it, you know, they're, they're really doubling down on how they're trying to really eliminate uh, scammers and spammers and all that stuff. And I, I still think they're not doing enough, but let's, let's put that in our pocket. Cause I, I really would like to talk about that. David, uh, hopefully Arnaldo didn't take the wind out of your sail. You know? <laughs> no, no, he definitely took, uh, yeah, I was thinking about that whole rating and uh, how many you've sold, but you know, the other thing I would tell a new seller is, that network, network with other people. Yes. Get to know other people in the vinyl community and watch reviews. It's like, you know, consistency. Generally, you know, you see shootouts and things. There's generally, you know, it, it falls into one category and usually most people have an opinion about something. But get to know people that are in the vinyl community. If you're in a record store, there's other people there with similar interests. So, you know, you never know. You're standing next to somebody. Hey, what do you like to listen to? And, uh, oh, I see you're doing a Bob Dylan there. You know, it's amazing how you can network. And I think it's important to do that uh, now, especially because the prices are such that you got to you got to protect your wallet. Jose, that's a very expensive uh, fan you have. I'll make you big here. What what do you fall with there? Just uh, bring it all back home. Oh, a mobile fidelity record is how does that does that cool you? Does it does it cool you well? Yes. <laughs> does that have the DSD step? 
Yes, of course it has. <laughs> is it mono or is it the stereo version? Look, it's a photo of Allen Ginsberg on a, wearing a top hat. That's He's crazy. wearing the DSD step. <laughs> <Yep. laughs> Doctor no, Seuss has arrived. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my um, yeah. my advice for people that are beginning. Beware, and I mean it. Beware <laughs> of buying cheap copies, cheap records. Well, you probably not to jump to conclusions here, but we see a lot of counterfeiting in your areas, Jose. Right, like Latin well, American countries and so forth. No, not really. What I'm trying really? to say is like, like uh, I see uh, when I go to uh, like record fairs or whatever, I always see like a beat up copy of uh, Fleetwood Mac rumors or uh, Dark Side of the Moon. And people think that just by the fact of owning it, uh, it's it's like, I'll, oh, it's ten dollars. All right. But it's like, why would, would you want to have a B, uh, BG or G plus record? of a very common record, like don't buy trash uh, records, even if they're cheap, like you can, it's always better to have spent $5 more on a record that's on better condition than to buying a crappy one just to save a little money. If it really means a lot to you, don't give in into thinking, oh, I'm going to get this. It's just the record has a little surface noise. I'll get it anyways. Because later on, with the patience and everything that people said here, you will find a better copy, and you you will regret thinking, "Oh, I already bought that piece of shit uh, rumors record <laughs> because I found it for five dollars in a thrift store or whatever." I don't know. So it's 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 um, my, my advice would be that it's yeah, it's G plus records upwards. Don't buy BG or G plus unless you're into psych music and you don't want to be poor like me so get get that that would be my advice just no it's really good to temptation yeah and that's hard to do especially at least the last couple of years the fomo the the supply change there's there's so many variables that have really changed the hobby at least in the last 10 years if you don't want fomo don't be friends with jason rojas that's fair (laughs) 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 so so my piece of advice and then we'll, we'll we got one more and we'll close out the podcast here but um, you know, one thing that I, I, I will give a lot of credit to the vinyl community on YouTube is watching a lot of videos and just, just watching, learning, be a sponge. And what I mean by that is I'd watch people's videos and I would see certain records so often that then I had like a visual recall. So when I was out in the wild, then I could start connecting the pieces of, Oh, I know what this is. And so you start developing that kind of acumen of knowing, like you're talking about Jose, that rumors, there's millions of copies out there and you probably want the the textured Burbank label, you know, like first pressing, et cetera. Right. Like I've only learned that through watching videos and then inspiring me to want to continue to take that deep dive, like you said earlier, but amassing the information, I think that's what we're all saying in kind of different ways is amass as much information to then better inform your spending decisions, your listening. Cause I say it in my videos all the time. Your your time is your most valuable commodity. And if you're listening to records, which you should be doing, PSA, you should be listening to your records. You yeah. want to make sure that it's not only a good use of your money, but it's a good use of your time. So last one for the podcast, fellas, is kind of very similar to that last question. And I'm going to credit Jason because I thought this is a very clever question. If you had a time machine, which I'm working on in my basement, if you had a time machine, it can go back to a certain point to your own self 
to espouse advice, knowing the trials and tribulations and the, the duplicate copies and the bootlegs and all the pitfalls that you've experienced in your collecting journey, what would you say to young Jason, young Arnaldo, whoever, to really set them on the right path and avoid wasting money, wasting time, et cetera. Jason, your question. So I, I, you've got to have a great answer on this one. No pressure. No, I don't. I'd like the worst. Like to me, I'd go back and say, hey, go back to that dollar section and buy that Rodriguez cold fact. Just <laughs> buy it. Just buy it. Don't turn it down. Just buy it. You know, man, what a mistake. So you did see one for a dollar? Wow. A dollar. And then uh, one of the clerks was like, hey, listen to this. And he picked it out of the dollar section, gave it to me. There's a listening station. I listened to it. At that time, I was more into like, you know, very like psychedelic, you know, deep, druggy, psychedelic. That's not really per se. It's very poppy. Um, so I was like, nah. And then the clerk, the clerk said, are you sure about that? I go, yeah, yeah, put it back. And then oh. Forrest Slater. I'm sorry, I missed it. What, record was it? What, what record was it? Rodriguez, Cold Fact. Cold Fact, 1970 or 71 on Sussex. It's mm-hmm. it, it, the documentary Searching for Sugarman. That was that was that artist. But yeah, that's it. Bought, Yeah, I would have bought more from the dollar bin. That's the Bill then. Withers label. Yes, yeah. Sussex. That's right. Yeah. Den- or Dennis Coffee. If, if you Dennis Coffee Scorpio. Well, Dennis Coffee was actually a guitar player on Cold Fact. See that's what I did right. there? I put it yeah. all together. And you know how I learned this? Watching videos. I'm just saying. Okay. Yeah. Arnaldo, what would you say? If you could go back and, and talk to younger Arnaldo, what would you tell him? Well, how young? I was born in 68, so I wasn't yet buying records. Otherwise, I would have bought every Beatles record that was around in the 60s. <laughs> uh, maybe, so, maybe to the point where you, you were getting a little bit more serious about music collecting. Uh, probably not. I mean, yeah. I mean, everyone in the early 90s started jumping on the um, – CD bandwagon, right? Late 80s, 90s. Um, and maybe I should have not stopped buying records because um, I think it was 91 is when I completely, I said to myself, like, I'm, I'm only buying CDs from now on, uh, but just continue to buy throughout the 90s, uh, at least the records that I cared about, you know, the bands that I really cared about. I mean, I think there's a lot or, of people, or at least go go through all the used stores where people were just dumping all of their old records because they were switching over to CD and just buy up everything else that uh, people were just not like selling off, and you find tons of records like Jason said for a dollar, two dollars. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people out there, and I was guilty of this too. Well, I, I didn't have a lot. I of never records. sold. I never sold my records. Oh, okay. I, like, when I switched over, I kept everything. Well, I never Me sold too. anything, and I only started selling records maybe five years ago on Discogs um, only because I had doubles or things that I bought and didn't like. So. um. All right, David, time travel. I mean, if you want to go back to, to to baby Bianco. Oh boy. And and put, and put that first pressing of uh, whatever album is your favorite and under his little crib, would you do it now? (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I'd probably, uh, expose a diaper on it or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so really what I, you know, when I was young, I did, I did by happenstance, all the things that now are of value. Uh, I think I told the story. I grew up in Gary, Indiana, and that was 
the people who started VJ Records were out of Gary, Indiana, and VJ was in Chicago for manufacturing and that. And so there were Beatle albums all over Gary in 63 in July. And and I got all of those early ones. I got the Four Seasons and the, you know, and I, and it was just like, it was like the cover art really got me. It was like cartoonish and, you know, and so, so early on I was doing things. I had no, no, I didn't realize it, but later on what I realized is I sometimes would not buy a used record because of the cover, but yet the record that was in it was pristine. Mm. And I, a buddy of mine, not too long ago said, Hey, I saw a Led Zeppelin two, but the cover was really bad. And I said, well, did you look at it to see if it was an RL? He said, What's an RL? You know the whole thing. And right. well, it turned out it was an RL, and the record was like eight ninety nine, eight dollars and ninety nine cents. Mm. You know, and 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 the record was probably BG, I would say. And so my point is, don't judge a book by its cover. Literally, sometimes, yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. So so be careful. You know, if you're really looking for something, don't assume that the cover reflects the condition of the record. So before we go to Jose, I'm going to throw up Brandon has a good one because this is something this is actually one of the things I really I lean in on my collecting. Brandon says, my advice is to grab every album that was released in the 90s when we were in the 90s. Very true, because that's one of my yeah, bugaboos that I collect now, even when I first started getting quasi serious about record collecting was going back and getting the music from the 90s because it's what I listen to. They didn't do a lot of it on vinyl. So to me, that was very interesting. And I'm sure you guys can relate. Some of the some of the pressings from the '90s of the '90s were just trash. I mean, I'm just gonna say it. So it's it's more of like a collectible kind of thing. But I digress. Jose, if you could go back and tell little Jose or medium medium sized Jose, um, I don't know too many records. <laughs> <laughs> my well, my, my music journey it's weird because for the longest time I I I didn't grew up listening to music in Spanish, which sound, might sound weird to you guys, but uh, my country is so influenced by, uh, by the U.S. and American um, culture that I didn't grow up listening to a lot of music in Spanish, and I think that I would have a lot of grails and stuff if I did back then. I started collecting when I was eight, so like I have a lot of stuff from that time, you know, like I, and... I don't know. Like I would tell myself to listen to stuff that's local and things like that that have gone on price. And now that I can't get, even if I try real hard, you know, because uh, I missed out on getting a lot of local stuff that I wanted that I can't have because they, they're not even in sale in Discogs. Not even if you have the money. Wow. So my my advice would be, you know, just to get a little more out there and not just listen to what's popular on the radio. And, and again, you know, try to, try to be more open-minded when I was younger. Cause oh, I was listening to a lot of horrible metal music. So <laughs> I wish I, I was not doing that when I was younger. Yeah. Guys, I'm really surprised that no one picked up on the entrepreneurial spirit when no one opened a pressing plant, knowing that in 30, 40 years, there would be a, a, oh. I, I, <laughs> a lack of pressing plans, and you can. I, I, I would just do a gold membership, right? <laughs> well, if you want to, if you want to go that way, we can. Uh, uh, Kurt Cobain, don't do it, right? <laughs> I, I, I know too much about manufacturing to do that. Sorry. Um, yeah, yeah. No, um, Jimi Hendrix, don't go there. I don't know. It's still, uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> this isn't Quantum Leap. Remember that show, Quantum yeah, Leap? Where yeah, you yeah. Jump the bottom and stuff? yeah, not not going there. Well, it's a good probably point to end this part of the, the the presentation in terms of advice party. We'll get into the freestyle here in a little bit, but let's go and wrap up this episode of Surface Noise for the Vinyl Community Podcast. I'm really thankful, as always, for my guests. Jason Rojas, thanks for joining, pal. Arnaldo YouTube channel is Fidelios underscore frequency. David at Safe and Sound, Texas Audio Excursion, who has a really great video right now, cheap plug, on the Cars uh, Rhino reissue, which is, is making the rounds in the community. So I'd highly encourage you to check that out. And then Jose has left us. Jose was sitting in his chair. <laughs> anyway thanks for joining us buddies we'll do it again a couple weeks okay thanks everybody take care and that was another trip around the turntable thanks for listening to vinyl community podcasts